Friends and family of Vertebraemen, welcome back to another installment of the live Vertebraemen post game show. It is chaos. This is, of course, the show by the fans for the fans. If you're new to the show, um, we host this every single Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, typically, Christian is joining me on the call, but today he has got uh, some other thing going on, a pop-up sale, I guess, in uh, Toronto. So if you are in the Toronto area, he's going to be selling jerseys at absolutely cut-rate prices. So you heard it here. Go there and, and, and say that Ben and Sooner sent you and that you get uh, 75% off. So... There you go. There, there's your. <laughs> by all means, I would encourage you to go check out what he's doing. If you're interested, he also posts a lot of stuff on Instagram, but he's not with us today. Uh, rather, uh, for your edification and delight, we have Sooner along with us today uh, to make up the other half of this. I don't I don't know the ad. I'm sorry. You'll have to check on Instagram. <laughs> I have no idea where he is. And, and Juan, I have no idea if there's some lingerie there. There may be some hey, hey. soccer shorts that have been kind of cut out. Um, you know, like the assless chaps version of, uh, of soccer shorts. There might be something like that, but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, definitely something you can check out um, and follow him. Yeah. Probably hung over Paul. <laughs> no question about it. Paul. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just, and because we're talking with people listening to us, if you do want to join us when we go live, we've got uh, people that are on right now. They can text during the show. Uh, Juan is with us. Salty is here. Paul Holman, which I believe, oh, he says this is cacophony. Nice to see. Ah. Now, is that the third or fourth personality that I'm having to deal with here? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dustin Muller is back. Spivy was the first one through the door, and that's Paul's third, or I guess cacophony's <laughs> third personality. Perfect. It all, depends, it all depends on who has the microphone up there, probably. Up in his brain, you know? <laughs> Well, sooner speaking of microphone, if you can get nice and close to yours, you're a little faint. And okay, yeah, uh, I wasn't sure, you know, because someone, you know, made a comment in my uh, in, <laughs> that in your microphone was shoved it. up your anus. I yeah. saw that. And, you know, I mean, I was trying I was trying that out, you know, because I, I was reading an article that it's good to get um, re- that colon resonance. You know, have, like from your... have you put your microphone in your anus lately? <laughs> so, yeah, feel free to give me a little bit of notes on this because it's still a little bit, I'm still getting used to the new setup a little bit in uh in the new apartment, uh, but uh, but yeah, so you know, I, I have pulled my microphone out of my anus this week, so uh, yeah, so there's that at least. <laughs> well, as close as you can get to it, because you're still even now a little bit faint. But All yeah, right, let's yeah. Uh, let's kick into it here. If you guys do want to reach out to us outside of the show, you can on uh, Twitter. Although, let's face it, almost everything has been moved to the Discord. So if you want to make comments, if you want to make jokes, if you want to whatever. Uh, when it comes to Vertebraemen in English, the Discord, the Discord is where you want to be. Almost everything's been moved there. We got actually quite a decent crew there 
uh, right now where, again, people like myself and Christian, we may jump in uh, every once in a while. But for the most part, this is a place where you can uh, come and spout off your theories, opinions, uh, and get into dust ups uh, with Dustin mostly. Um, but yeah, if that's something that you want, <laughs> something you want to do, you're welcome to do it. So you can find the Discord link uh, on our link tree uh, is l i n k t r dot e e backslash verter n a. Um, and if you are a Bauman Fritz apologist, we welcome you. Uh, we'll and we'll make bet side bets as to how long <laughs> you last. Just like Christians only for all comers, you know. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into things here sooner. You had a chance, obviously, to watch the game. Thoughts, overview yeah. of the game. You know, it was great. Um, uh, it was, was it? You enjoyed it's the It's been weird. Well, it's been, you know, because I lost power right around the 94th minute. Um, and so I just assumed <laughs> that, uh, you know, we got that point. You know, it was great. I, I didn't ask questions. I just went about my Saturday. And uh, uh, no, of course, uh, I saw <laughs> the entirety of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, just, it's, it's kind of like you, 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 I mean, I was thinking about it, you know, it's kind of hilarious. You, it's the sec. it's the second time in three straight, in three games where we've had a goal allowed in, like in the last second, the dying seconds of a game to lose. And the second time that a former player of ours with the last name of Philip has like carved us up. <laughs> For for goals, the, the, Victoria Colonna, the guy was named Philip too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, it kind of, in a lot of ways, it's kind of an, a, a good example. I mean, we'll get into this a bit more, I think, but like a good example of what this team has become, especially for the last uh, you know fourteen games or so, or so, which is um, they can defend okay like 70% or 75% of the game and they can um, create good opportunities on offense, uh, but they can't put the ball in the net. And at that point, you know, you don't have a very good team and that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Their defense is kind of the equivalency of the uh, dog in training out at the dog park where the focus is there for moments at a time, but right. all of a sudden they see something and they're gone, right? And they just total lapse in concentration. Right. Well, following the first two losses of the season, most of us headed into the Freiburg game, pensive and unsure if Werder were going to you know, snap back from the collapse against Munich uh, or if the woes would continue. Uh, fans were treated to their first blood pressure test on the day when it was shown that Christian Gross would be starting instead of the new transfer option, Lunen. Uh, fans would then, I guess, be treated to a second round of blood pressure tests as Pavlenko would make two double-shot stops during the game. Uh, blood pressure was then sent soaring yet once more in the fifth minute of stoppage time when former Werder loan Max shot Freiburg ahead with the winning goal. Um, the lineup to the game garnered different reactions. However, the result left most with similar reactions of disbelief, anger, and and emptiness. Only the third game of the season, counting the Pokal, and fans are showing signs of genuine discomfort. Sitting on a cucumber, yes, like a paper cut between the fingers, Werder fans are bracing themselves for what's beginning to feel like a very long season ahead. 
Sooner, let's get into the stat pack. You were going to run through Dustin's bet on it or against its stat selection this this week. Yeah, basically, yeah. Ian had also dropped by some stats, uh, but I think. Oh, well, that's right. The... Ian Ian did some work this week. Yeah, Everybody. yeah. I got to find that audio effect there for the the cheering that goes way too long for King Ian did some work this week. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. It's going to go for a while. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. And then it and, goes. Yeah. <laughs> now, ah, oh, it's over. Okay, you know. Um. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I'll just run through some of, some of his stats he wrote down here. I mean, and, and the funny thing, I remember as I was I was kind of doing uh, like a la- I I after game, I just hop on Instagram and give some thoughts, and uh, I was doing that. Uh, they popped up the stats for the game on the on the ESPN Plus coverage and. It really is crazy how how evenly paced or how, how how even this game was a lot. I mean, judging by number statistics, you know, we, we split possession 50-50. Um, they did outshoot us by quite a bit, uh, and shots on target was was I mean was 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 quite a, a margin difference. It was uh, twenty three fifteen for total shots for Freiburg, seven to two for shots on target, also for Freiburg. Um, but XG was about about on par with what. The average was for last season. Uh, corners were five to five. Fouls were nine to eight. Uh, so technically, so now he he has found I guess because I was curious about like a, a decimal sub percentage. He found one that says Verde had fifty point nine percent. So we technically barely outpossessed them. I'm not um, doing the cheering thing again. Okay, right. <laughs> hey, we did it. Um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, stuff like passes, touches, pass accuracy, again, slight advantages, I would say, for Freiburg, which if you watch the game probably makes a bit of sense, especially down the stretch. They were the ones who were coming up. In the first half, we were a bit more dangerous. In the second half, it was mostly them. Um, Aerials, also pretty even. Um, And then um, this is a pretty big one. Uh, Werder uh, lost the clearance battle 29-17. to and I wouldn't have known this, but the, apparently the only match where we lost clearances uh, last season was the second Augsburg game, uh, where they um, had 35 clearances in that match. And Jesus has a lot. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Dustin's bet on it or against it. It was pretty uh, extensive, actually, covers uh, a lot of stuff that was in there. So he put out a pretty extensive list here. Uh, he, he, he said, bet on it or against it. Verde outpasses Freiburg. Uh, and by the way, there were some that everyone predicted it wrong. And oh. technically, well, just because it's a 50-50, I mean, I guess technically, if you want to go yep. by the 50.9, I mean, I say it's 50-50. And at that point, no one, uh, uh, I mean, no one outpossessed the other one. Everyone uh, missed that one. Um, Freiburg will have twice as many shots as Bearder. As I said, that that wasn't quite it. Um, there was, um, who was it? Uh, one... Um, did I, was that one that everyone got wrong? I'm sorry, I didn't write that down. I think I think I think we all no no we all got that one right. Juan, me, you, Ben, Ian, Lechef, Spivey, and Shig Brown. Uh, Verder's center backs and Pavlenko will make more passes than the rest of the entire team, uh, and it was kind of close. There's 148 for the defense, 191 for the rest. Um, so Shig Brown, Spivey, Cacophony, Lechef, and me got that right. Juan, Ian, and Ben got that wrong. Um, we don't, we don't, will, when I get one wrong, you don't have to. Oh, okay, I'll move everybody. along, move along, move along. <laughs> um, Opitz will play more than Gruyev. I, I mean, I pounded that one hard just because uh, I did not think that Gruyev was going to see the pitch. And 
I thought that Opitz would make an appearance at some point, but uh, Gruyev played and Opitz did not play at all. And everyone was wrong on that one as well. I think everyone expected that Opitz would Well, play. and Gruyev, Gruyev played like a solid seven minutes or something. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess that's because <laughs> Leo Bittencourt was brought in at the right wing or the, as the backup for, for, for Visor. Yep. And so we didn't really have a, another person. He wanted to bring in another midfielder, I guess, and he didn't really have another option. So he's like, well, if you, make, if you twist my arm and make me play, you know, this young player with a lot of talent, I guess I'll do it. Um, Freiburg, more clearance. Yes, 27-19. Shig, Brown, Spivey got that right. And then the other people, Juan, Cacophony, Ian, Ben, the chef and me got I, that I told, wrong. You don't, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, you know, let's, let's give credit where credit's due. Um, Verder will have twice as many passes as Freiburg. No, everyone got that one right. First, Verder sub will be after the 70th minute. I thought that that was for sure, uh, got a bet against it. But it, it, Leo came on in the 71st minute, so, uh, Ben, you got that one right, along with Cacophony. And then Juan, Schick, Brown, Spivey, Ian, the chef, and me got that one wrong. I think that's coming to me. Sorry, I live right by a street, so. Well, no, it's it's, it's almost like hanging out with Christian, listening to the road yeah. noise behind you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I live by, I mean, if I, especially if I turn the mic up this much, I, I live right by a street, so. Uh, you're going to get a little bit of sound like that every now and then. Um, and for those of you that are missing Christian, I, that's what the wonderful thing about our new program here is I've got bits of Christian that we can share. Like, yeah, as an right. example, it's, this it's game, like he's here, you know? Yeah, uh, like yeah here. I don't think I could be more irritated by this fucking outcome. See? <laughs> I think that is something he probably would say. I think, I think he puts sure. stamp of approval on that. Uh, I'll try to run through these next ones quick. So, Verder, more offsides than shots. No, we only had two offsides, 15 shots, and everyone got that one correct. Uh, correct. Duksh, more shots than Luca. It was close. Uh, uh, Fulkrook had four shots, Duksh had three. Juan, Ben, got that right. Shig, Brown, Spivey, Cacophony, Ian, Le Chef, and me got that one wrong. And Verdo have more cards than Freiburg, and it was an even two to two uh, on cards for both teams, so everyone predicted that one wrong, technically. We, we should have like a push, like a bet on it or against it, or you can say, no, it's gonna be even. No, that's <laughs> no. no, that's 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 copping out. That's it's being. <laughs> oh, what a pussy hole! What Man. kind of horseshit is that? I mean, that's true. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. I absolutely yeah. love the fact that I have this at my fingertips. Right? Yeah. I got it. Power, the power you possess. That's right. <laughs> what, 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 what is it that the guy in Jurassic Park says? You spend so much time figuring out if you could that you never ask yourself if you should. Ben, you, you should oh, no. not have this power. No, no, we, we move fence posts and we worry about consequences later. <laughs> That's what we do. Well, let's uh, briefly kind of touch on tactics here. Um, so Varner lined his team up again in that familiar 3-5-2 that we've all become very accustomed to over the last year. Um, against the ball, Werner pressed pretty well for the most part. Uh, there was nothing specifically noteworthy about the press tactic from the past couple of games or the past games. Um, the fullbacks in this game were asked to move all the way forward to cover the opposing fullbacks. Schmid, uh, sorry, I should say Schmid, Schmid and Stage, uh, Stay. <laughs> I'm just going to back that one up. Let's start over again. There are full. <laughs> Schmid and Stay locked out their double six. Uh, Freiburg, uh, chose to play with a 4-2-3-1, so that, that kind of worked out nicely for us. Um, but Freiburg chose to counter this primarily uh, our, our press using kind of longer passes uh, towards their forwards, and at times our defenders had a lot of difficulty dealing with them. Um, as previously mentioned, the press kind of creates that 1v1 situation for our defenders, and with a high line, 
three at the back and our fullbacks all the way forward, there are lots of opportunities for problems. Um, so for the most part, when coverage broke down, though, Werder were able to regain composure. That must be said. Um, Freiburg were able to create some opportunities for themselves by moving Salai into the center and then pulling Gross out of his holding midfield position. Uh, this was first done against Werder by Munich last season. So because we man mark, uh, if Gross decides to trail the runner, it creates large gaps in front of our defense for dropping strikers. Gross needs to uh, actively switch coverages with defenders and do it efficiently in order for Werder not to kind of get caught out. And they did reasonably well at this. Uh, the second half was kind of a different story as Gross became even slower and was often found kind of trailing behind the runner. Now. On offense, Weiser was moving all the way forward in line with the strikers. Um, Pieper moved all the way over to the right back spot, and Jung stayed much further back when we had the ball. He ventured forward sometimes, but he wasn't pushing up the field uh, like Weiser was. Now, Schmied, um, when Weiser was well forward, Schmied would then move in to replace Weiser's position, kind of a right winger. He didn't drop all the way back, but he would cover the right wing and that proved effective in a number of different ways so visors dribbling speed and creativity solved a number of problems for Werder up front um but when and then when the ball was kind of mired in the midfield he would kind of be found available on the wing running onto the ball and and this really helped us out in a number of situations kind of get out from pressure uh and and, and give us an opportunity uh, on the offense this also um because Schmied was replacing that position, Schmied was found to be a little bit deeper than maybe he traditionally would be played. And uh, but he does he showed that he should be kind of considered preferable to Bittencourt because he is a much better passer of the ball. I believe he had ninety one percent completion rate uh, during the game, which is pretty fantastic. Um, using this right to kind of right middle portion of the field. Verter were able to create kind of playful opportunities going forward. Um, there was a couple of times where it looked like the dust needed to get knocked off as Fulkrug, Dukes, and Schmied kind of missed on a number of combinations. Um, but overall, they did find a path to move the ball forward. Again, central, right, uh, central and, and right of center. Um, kind of the where it really broke down for Verter was in that final third. Uh, again, we suffered kind of the curse of the ineffectual pass, uh, the ineffectual cross, and I, this game, Snakebite, seemed to be a, an incredible unwillingness to shoot the ball. Uh, a number of promising buildups were kind of abandoned after a player kind of decided to take one extra pass rather than going for the shot. So even with the 15 shots, Verter did manage to crack off. Only two of them found the keeper. So the 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 availability availability for shots that, that they had, they, they passed on too many of them. And the ones that they did take... Um, Again, only two of them managed to, to find the keeper. So that uh, is kind of an overview on tactics. Um, it was a little bit better disciplined from Werder this game. Uh, the defense did a little better. Uh, we were able to recover. That may also be because we weren't playing against absolute, you know, class when it comes to Bayern Munich. And I use that term as derogatorily as I can. <laughs> but, you know, Freiburg is not Munich and it shows, right? So we were able to recover a little bit. So anyway, there's uh, there's some of the tactics. I don't know if you have any comments on that sooner. I mean, like, I mean, this, I guess the comment I have on it. I mean, we're gonna probably talk about them in the three up, three down. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I think that I that I was really surprised by, and I guess maybe you, you kind of are, are giving a little bit of a reason for it, is that, I mean, I know, I mean, obviously Mitchell Weiser, like last year, was a, a super important part of our offense, but he, I didn't find that usually he was the person really, you know, getting the shots. They didn't uh, have but, him that but, far forward yeah, last right, year. Right, but he was, he's, he's playing a lot more f- far forward in this game, and I, I think that was kind of interesting. And yeah, I mean... Um, for me, it was a big, I'm sure we'll talk about this maybe a bit too. It's a big, big, big drop off when you, when you take him out and you bring in Bittencourt. Yep. I mean, you really see, you really see the difference. And, uh, I mean, I guess I think, and he made a reference to it, um, after the game in, in a press conference, uh, like a post game comments that basically he just, he's still coming off that injury and he's just not, I think where he can really play for 90 minutes. I know, I'm not even sure that the team is being. I'm cautious about it, but I think that I think that even he is saying, no, I, I have to, you know, be careful a little bit. And hopefully, I mean, I think he was maybe even saying optimistically that hopefully he could be good for 90 minutes next week uh, against Mainz. But uh, yeah, you, you really, I mean, you saw it last year too, but you really see it in this game. Um, he's uh, he's really, really important to what we do offensively. And yeah, Juan, I don't know what's going on with the Gu. I think he's still probably quite a ways off from his injury. I think he had a pretty serious, another pretty serious injury uh, in the spring. So I think yeah, they've I got expect, him. I wouldn't training. expect him before before twenty twenty four probably. They've got him training individually uh, currently, and they've done a bit of a plan for him. But you're right; we should probably get him a red and white uh, striped toque and make a book called <laughs> "Where Is You." Uh, okay, let's get into some three up, three down. Uh, sooner, I want to keep calling you Christian. My apologies to either one of you. I suppose. Uh, give me your uh, what was what was good. The three up. Uh, man, I don't know where I don't know where I'm going to begin for the three up. But I, I guess if I have, if you make me, I'm going to begin with uh, Pavlenka. I mean, really, probably the only up that really just jumps out at you. I mean, like he he had two huge like double saves in the game. The first one was incredibly good. I mean, like you know, it, it, there's a good chance that when we get to the end of the season, like two, like like if you were going to try and find like his best moments. Those like be two, yeah. th- those are going to be like in the top five or top ten, so for sure. I mean, and he he had them both in one game. He really, uh, you know, sometimes he's bad Pavlos and sometimes he's good Pavlos, and I think he was pretty good Pavlos. Uh, uh, the, the goal, I mean, I don't really think you can really say too much about him. I mean, it was just he he, he just wasn't in position to to do anything about it. He was Chance and Lowe says the Germans was a he, he didn't he didn't have any hope. But so that was the one up for me. Uh, another up would be, I mean. I, I do think you have to, I mean, it, we can talk about this maybe a bit more when we start talking about like what Ole Werner was saying after the game. I mean, there, 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 it was not a completely terrible game. There were some reasons to be optimistic and obviously... That's the up. It wasn't a completely terrible game. Right, Very yeah. Good. I mean, like, like it's, it's, <laughs> they were, they were, they were fine. I was really surprised like how, how many pockets, I mean, sometimes it was from a press, but sometimes we were just passing the ball and they were not, maybe they were just jogging back. Or maybe they, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, but, but we were finding uh, yeah nice spaces there to, to yep. kind of possess the ball and move forward. Uh, so that is an up. I mean, obviously you want to put the ball in the net, but that's uh, I'm going to call that an up. Uh, and I was having trouble finding a third one, so I just I only did two as well. <laughs> I but but I, but I went ahead and I and I, I I'm just going to plug um, the Sooners locks and I'm going to say my lock hit. So if you listened to the pod last week, I said. Hit the two and a half under goal, uh, goal, um, you know, the over under for the score. They, they said it was going to be under two and a half goals scored. Man, you are safe. I mean, if you have a mortgage, if you are in bad with the with the sharks, 
There's no excuse because Sooner is out here giving you these amazing locks. Sooner, so, you better lock it up. You lock it up. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Of the day. So yeah, that's my third up. <laughs> is that I was right, Nana a boo boo? No, I mean I don't know. I mean I couldn't find another one, so I said, hey. I'm just trying to spread the good news, you know? Well, Cacophony says he's rich now. Uh, Juan hey. says he just bought his Ferrari. Well done. Good job, guys. All right, yeah. Uh, all right, so the couple of ups that I've got, I doubled up on the Pavlenka, so we don't got to go there. Uh, the Visor and Schmied Connection. So this was a really nice combination. Uh, I, th I felt it was a good option rather than Bittencourt. Um, I don't think Schmied is as good a defender as Bittencourt, uh, but he is much safer with the ball, and I think he provided a really nice link-up option for us on the right-hand side. Visor, for his part, I felt he looked fresh. I felt that his uh, he was exciting to watch. Uh, and then with him being positioned all the way up top, I really felt as though he was the impetus, the catalyst uh, for almost all of our offensive creativity. Um, and there were times that with him being that far up, our offense was operating in a 3-4-3 three, three, uh, because of how aggressive he was being. And I think that's a little bit of a sneak preview as to I, I, where, where Varner is wanting to go with this team would be to move Visor that far up uh, because really it, it, it did unlock a number of things for us. It really did create some problems for the defense. And I think it'll likely be employed when we play against a team with a back four. Uh, rather than a back three, because that gives Visor that extra space. But you will have noticed that not only was he in line with the strikers, but he was playing central right. Like he wasn't yeah. out on the wing. He was central and involved in the buildup play. So uh, just an interesting tactical switch. And I believe that Schmied being in that position instead of Bittencourt uh, was actually preferable. And I felt that that, yeah. was, a, that was actually a good move uh, by Werner. One of the only good moves uh, by Werner that, that game. Yeah. <laughs> And I think I think I think it's I think it's interesting to be just because like I mean I think one of the things we talked about the Verde offense with uh, Verde or Bremen offensively is that they're kind of getting a little too predictable and I think that like a small change like that even could be something that that could uh, yeah uh, you know be enough to maybe shake things up a bit and, and, and create a few more open looks for us. So yeah, I think it's good. It's a good. Uh, good it's been point. it's been so rare that we cause a an opponent to react to us. Right. We it's been a we while. seem to always be reacting. Right. Um, and so yeah, it was it was nice to see that. Uh, that we were doing something uh, proactive on the field. Uh, let's go to the things that sucked. Yeah. So my first one is um, Ole's lineups. You touched on it a little bit. I think. Um, uh, I mean, we might talk about this a little bit more. So I don't want to. I don't want to belabor it all too much. But the one thing I didn't pick that as a down because I figured that was going to be somebody. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll say about there it. There were so many to choose from. Right. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about this right now, because we might talk about it a bit more later as we talk about uh, what, what's happening with the team right now, is like I, I remember if you were in the Discord during the game, I think Christian kind of hopped on and said something along the lines of like, well, maybe like what it is, is he, I don't think he didn't necessarily believe this. He was trying to find a reason why why Ole Verna would would decide that this was a good thing to do. And he was talking about how maybe, uh, you know, he wanted to bring Linen off the bench as like a more defensive switch in case we got up by a goal or two. And the, the the thing that I thought about directly after, after listening to that is like it's getting kind of sad that like Verder Bremen fans have to kind of jump through the same like hoops that like I mean I don't want to get uh, too religious here but like anyone who says like yeah God is great God is good don't ask me why he he murders all these people and stuff like this and he like is allowed for free. 
have to jump through all these moral hoops to try and, and defend that. We have to try to do the same gymnastics to try and, and defend what uh, Ole Werner's doing with his lineups. Well, it's, well, it's one of the reasons why I really like that photo where there's the guy and all the pictures on the wall and he's got the red string going everywhere and he looks absolutely insane. He's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. That's why I love that photo because that's how I feel like I have to do a lot of times where I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm just, there's gotta be a way, there's gotta be a reason. <laughs> right. Yeah. Werner equals no. God got it. There we go. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Is, see, if you, if you just turn off your brain and, and, and remember those three words, then you're just fine. Um, uh, my second down was overpassing. I mean, you alluded to it. It was really, really rough. But like we, I mean, there are two that stand out, especially there was the one around like the 27th minute, I think when uh, the ball was brought up to stay on the left and he had a pretty good, I guess it wasn't amazing. He had a pretty good look though. And he passed it back into the box and there was like no one, I think Dulksh, maybe he thought Dulksh was going to keep running up and maybe have a better shot at it. And uh, I think he probably wishes he would have taken it. And then it was just a few minutes later, it was actually a visor who had the ball coming up the right with quite a bit of room and he did a pass to the opposite side of the field to the left and that just allowed um uh, I, I don't know if and you could see if, if you go back and look he like puts his hands up on his head like oh fuck and i don't know if that's like a oh fuck what did i do or oh fuck why aren't you where you're supposed to be but it's completely stopped the forward movement it allowed freiburg's defense to 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 stabilize and set up and then we just passed the ball around and schmied schmied like kicked it from the outside of the box i mean just Guys trying to overpass and uh, really got in our way offensively. Yeah. And then uh, the third down, I guess it kind of goes along the lines with um, Ole's lineups. But, man, uh, I mean, I know that I'm probably a little bit nicer to Christian Gross than some people are. But, like, you guys that, was really, that was a really rough. I, I, try, I try to be fair to him when I can be. But that was just a really rough game to watch for him. He was just, like, jogging around out there. I saw them more than a few times what looked to me like just a very half-assed attempt at like trying to like and then just kind of, you know, lollygagging, half-assed and jogging around uh, the pitch. And it was just, uh, yeah, hard to watch that, knowing that we have two good young players who can play that position who are just sitting on the bench. Well, I, uh, I'm glad you went where you went because I tried to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> And I've proved successful. Good. Uh, <laughs> if I were uh, things that were not so great for me, game management, number one. Uh, I'm very much struggling with this. I'm fine with the Bittencourt subvisor. Uh, like you said uh, sooner, he's working his way back from fitness. Totally okay with that. This idea that Gross, who actually, here we go, meaningful game. He what He did. Gross action, and I disagree with you that he had a oh, really? bad game. I thought he had a meaningful game, uh, but was not functioning at that level after 50 minutes. Like that was absurd. He, he, the mm. first 45, I felt he did fairly well. Like I said, he was switching well. Uh, he still had energy after about the 50, 55th. He was so far behind his his marker. He was like the amount of listless jogging in the second half was just incredible uh, by him. So that's why I, I'm, I'm on the fence there. It wasn't a meaningless game for him, but the coach needed to move him out after about the, well, the first yeah. half, right? Yeah. That's about what he's good for, about the first half. Anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, yeah and you know what's funny? Just on that point, like, I thought it was very weird that, I mean, he has the highest uh, fought mob score out of all of our players. On right? Team. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> well, he had the highest uh, highest markings on uh, who scored as well. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, and that's and that's what I mean. He, I've, I saw him make a couple of good interceptions. I saw him break up a couple of plays. 
in the again the first half of the game the second half it, it like like going off a cliff that the, the, the performance what was just deteriorated exponentially <laughs> um but then to wait until the 80th minute yeah. uh, to bring on the six that you that you started against Bayern, it, it's insulting to my intelligence yeah. it just is that i mean you had Duke who was struggling to make an impact as he does sometimes you let him flounder for 87 minutes and then give Komaski a chance to run in for like to what to do what right to really impact the game it just makes no sense to me and, um and it's like Juan pointed out it's it's their fault we, that we lost yeah that, well, that, that's what Ollie will think it was their fault because we were tied before they yeah they right <laughs> well I mean a, a game where if we're being totally honest we could have used an injection of speed and creativity uh and all of that was left to the final moments like once they pulled visor out um, and this goes into my second thing that sucked. But once they pulled Visor out, we missed two shots in 36 minutes. Mm, two in yeah. 36. In the prior 70 minutes, we had 13. So if you look at the yeah. shots per minute, we were taking 300% more shots with Visor on the field. Yeah. <laughs> when Visor is pulled, there was no moment uh, on the field with either the personnel uh, or or the structure to kind of make up for the lack of creativity. Right, yeah. So the, the Le- game Leo really loves to... Bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Leo really loves to do those. It's like, I'm not sure if that was a shot or a pass. What, what Leo Bittencourt just did. I mean, he, he does, he does, he does those all the time. <laughs> that's what I think. Uh, I, I can't, I think it was that uh, it said on, on the discord. That's why we brought Bittencourt in for all those great crosses. And I said, right. I, th- I thought it was a shot. And he said, right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's the guy is, uh, he's has moments of inspiration, um, but they are too few and too far between, uh, and he's not reliable enough. Uh, yeah. So the, the second one that I have was that we're in big trouble without visor currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just move past that point. The third one that I have, um, is the low, uh, XG without the efficiency of last season. Mm-hmm. So last season, you even alluded to our XG stat, uh, being somewhat similar to what we were doing last, last year. So last season, Werner had one of the lowest XG ratings of the league, but we were able to continue banging in goals despite the relatively few clear chances we were creating. Um, it was that kind of that killer instinct that kept Werner continually in the hunt. And I think most gave most fans that belief that we could pull off, you know, what was necessary this season. Again, it appears as though Werner are not creating many, you know, clear goal scoring opportunities. And and yes, it's a, it's a small sample size, two games, right? But but I think we have to embrace the reality that this may be an area we overachieved in last season. Um, yeah. And this season, we may be functioning within the expected outcomes of a stat like this. So that was something that I was looking at just being like, you know, that was one of our bragging points last year. You guys have an XG rating of like, what was it? 1.3 or something like that. Um, and we were still able to bang in goals. I think this season we're at like a, a 0.93 or something like that for XG. Right, yeah. We might, we may have just overachieved last year. Like, like to, to expect that to continue may be a little unrealistic. We, we need to, and again, that goes to the visor comment, everything else that we really need to get to a place where the creativity, where our approach uh, to the game is going to be such that we're creating more of those goal scoring opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I'm right with you. I mean, I think that you could probably call like the entire last season, like we, like we overachieved. I mean, like, you yes. know, in, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, 
Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's um, you know the the offense has really dried up, and and that that I think correlates a lot with 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 what we're seeing with the results. And uh, you know, full Krug, and I think Juan brought this up too, um, how he seems to be playing maybe a bit deeper uh, sometimes in the build up play, and I. I I'm not sure if this is, I mean, if, if that has to do with it, you know, because maybe he's not as close to goal. I, I can't remember if that's what he was doing a lot earlier in the last season when we were having luck, but it seems to me like probably um, Fulkrug's playing a bit deeper to win because he's one of the best players we have on our team at winning aerials, winning duels in the air, and then to like win the ball, then get the ball to the sides and then jog up. But I think that may, maybe also that's kind of getting in the way of him being exactly where he needs to be at the exact right moment to put the ball in the net. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking on my ass, but I mean, that may, well, maybe has something to do with it. <laughs> this last game, I think Fulkrug was sitting a little bit deeper because of the visor positioning on the right-hand oh, yeah. side. So Schmid had to drop kind of out to the right-hand side. Um, and depending on where this was in all of that and Stea, um, Fulkrug may have had to fill a pocket of space there. Yeah. Again, I'd have to go back and look again to kind of get an idea. But but yeah, he's not, we don't see him hunting goals uh like last year where he was, he was close. The, he had, he had a couple line. of, a couple of the, the, the one he had kicked it in with his heel, man, that was a really good uh, play by Kubler or whatever his name is to, to kick it out. And then the, the header right at the, like, the last chance looked like it might've been one of those moments that he just heads it in, but it would just went sailed a little bit over the net. But, but yeah, it's been a while since we've had like that Hinrunda look of, uh, so we'll see what happens there, I guess. All right, well, let's uh, get the show moving forward. We've got lots to get into. The first thing I want to introduce uh, to, Listeners is the Ole Werner sack race. Um, so what we're going to do here is the game within the game. If you are wanting to participate, I don't have much to offer. Uh, I guess I can send you a sticker pack or something like that, but it's mostly just for shits and giggles. Um, if you are the winner of the Ole Werner sack race, then, you know, maybe I'll even, uh, I don't know what else could I possibly do. That would just be so grotesque. Nobody would enter this thing. Uh, <laughs> What I want to know is I want you to email me your estimated match day for when Ole Werner will be sacked. So that is to say, if you pick match day 24, then you have the week after match day 24 for him to get sacked for that to be correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what I'll want is the match day. And then, yeah, there you go. A picture of a sack for the Ole Werner sack race. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Um, I'll maybe get Christian to do that. He's probably right, got the whole friggin' yeah. photo file full of those. Uh, so yeah, email me the match day and then the day of the week. Cause we're going to have to, which is likely going to be a, a Sunday or a Monday. Um, but we'll, we'll try and get as uh, I'm assuming not too, too, too many people are going to join in on this, but so match day, day of the week. And that'll help narrow it down a little bit. And if there's more than one winner, I guess I just send out more pictures of my balls. Uh, but yeah, it might just be a fun way to kind of trudge through the season. Yeah. Uh, you may not want to win now, <laughs> uh, but there, there is going to be those that are likely thinking this is ridiculous and we shouldn't even be discussing something like this so early in the season. That's cool. You can still participate. Just say that he's not going to get sacked this season. Right. Yeah. Uh, for everybody else who thinks there may be some merit to the idea. Uh, here are some of the things that I think you should consider when we're making your selection. So the first thing to consider and then I'm going to turn it over to you sooner because you wanted to kind of uh, dissect a little bit on what's going on with Ole Werner. Uh, so the first thing you should is Werner. Uh, the distinct possibility he turns us around. 
Um, do you feel he has the ability to do that? You know, is he going to hit a spurt somewhere that's going to float him for just a little while before crashing down, or does it take him all the way through? How much juice does he have left in the Werner faithful in the front office? Uh, does Werner, who complained about the thinness of the squad already, does he do like he did in Kiel and just simply walk away after seven match days and resign in disgust? Uh, the second thing you'll have to consider is Bauman, uh, the man ultimately responsible for Werner. Uh, he pursued the extended contract with Werner at the end of the season. Will, is he going to double down on that? Does he hold on to Werner too long because the club is now financially invested, not to mention his pride? Um, but does he pull the trigger, you know, as he has with the other coaches? I think he usually fired them between the first five to ten games. And the last thing, of course, to consider is the fans. The Werner bubble within Bremen seems quite content to just kind of uh, be very like unbelievably forgiving of management and coaches in the last 10 years. Um, I guess they kind of just choosing rather to give them more pull the trigger. Does the recent relegation change that? Does the fan base become more unsettled and disgruntled more quickly having now experienced the relegation? Anyway, let's, uh, let's get into it here. Uh, sooner. Yeah. I mean, I was Talk about Ole Werner. Talking about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really necessarily have like a ton of like new insight, to to say but i mean i think that it's it's a weird situation i think that maybe some people find in like you know because we were talking about you know firing a coach like three games or like two games technically three games with the pokal into a season and but i think that like that disregards like what's been happening with the team going back into last year so like like for me like last year breaks up into three solid segments right the first one is like the first nine games of the year where we um, had four wins, three ties, and two losses. That, that was through the Hoffenheim game that we won two to one on the road. And I think we ended that week in like the top four places. Like things were going great. And then, I mean, I don't know, you, you can kind of, you know, twist these around to say, say what you want to about it. But like what I usually do is I, what, how I like to think of it is like, I like to think of it as the next 13 games as a stretch where we, we, it was like, we lost two, we won two, we lost four, we, we, then we won three out of five. It, it comes out to, we won five games, we lost eight games, no ties. Um, and that is like, not great. That's not very good. But if you look at the pace of that, like what that, if you just did that for an entire season, like you're on pace for like 37, 38, 39 points, basically, which I don't think that anyone should necessarily turn their nose up at. Um, when you're considering that we're a, a you know a team that for the previous three seasons had played at the bottom of the table in the Bundesliga and then also played in the Zweite Liga, like you know, 39 points is nothing to 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 you know um, um, turn your nose up at, in my opinion. And then that is when um, the stretch started that I think has really started to test the faith of a lot of people in Ole Werner. And that is, it's in the last 14 games since it was the Bochum game that we won was the end of that like five wins, eight losses stretch. Um, and that's been 14 games. We have won one game yeah. and we have tied three games out of 14. We have six points in the last 14 games. And when you consider that four, 17 is what a half of a season is. I mean, we're talking about a, a half season's worth of games. We only have like almost a half season's worth of games. We only have six points. That is really really bad that is indefensible you've launched the car off the cliff and the guy looks beside you and says yeah. hey i packed sandwiches 
Right. <laughs> We're going to be here a while. <laughs> Jesus. But, you know, that is, to me, that's the, that is what is the real cause for concern. I mean, there was, there was that bumpy stretch in the middle of the season record where, where, we were, where we were getting the business, but then we would turn around often enough and we would give the business to someone else. We were, we were getting knocked down and we would knock some other, someone else down. We would stay stable on the table. For the last 14 games, that is not happening at all. And that, I think, is what has caused a lot of people to, I mean, it was happening last year. I think a lot of people, or certainly I was saying it, and I think a lot of other people, if they weren't thinking it, would probably have agreed with it, that like this trend is not going well. And the Rook or the, 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 the season that we're in now has to turn out better if Ole Werner is going to seriously, you know, be considered to keep his board. I mean, he's, if, if he wants to stay out of, um, if, he want to keep, if he wants to keep his shop security is what I mean. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really, really bad. And, um, and the thing about it is, is what gets me a little bit or, or the way I think about it is like he hasn't I mean in a lot of ways he hasn't changed like all that much right he's always been preferring Christian Gross to Gruyev but <laughs> this motherfucker should not be starting <laughs> exactly he's always <laughs> been preferring Anthony Young to um Lee Buchanan um and like you know, but the problem, the thing about it is, is like when you're winning games enough to like, you know, stay up and, 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 you know, really kind of be stable as a team, those things don't matter as much. Right. But no, winning they, fixes everything. Yeah, exactly. This is, and this is why I keep saying, this is kind of what I, this has become my mantra a little bit with the Oliver. It's, this is a results driven league and the results are drying up. And also on top of that, he's not, it doesn't seem like he's reacting very well to what's happening around him. And I think that that is, that's what's really, I think, got a cause for concern for me and I think for a lot of other fans right now. Sure. Um, a couple of thoughts that I had, and I do want to jump into this a little bit more, uh, maybe in ongoing episodes. Uh, but to if I were to do just a Werner credit and Werner discredit, so to Werner's credit, Werner's credit, sorry, um, he was able to recognize what formation suited the team and implemented it rather than kind of forcing something he preferred. So credit there. Um, and he was able to create offense through a system of pressing that covered, it kind of covered over the team's lack of speed and technical ability, which again, credit. Now to his discredit, he's completely failed to adjust uh, to the, uh, in the second half of the Bundesliga where teams started adapting to his tactics. And uh, the other thing is that all the transfers this have not created new avenues of play. Uh, I agreed with Christian. I still would agree that they have strengthened the existing areas and formation, but they have not outrightly changed how the team is going to position themselves on the field very much. We are still going to have to play in the same way that we have been playing. Uh, with the, Even with the strengthening of, of the squad, if you look at any of the, the incoming transfers, they didn't really make massive changes uh, to how we're going to express ourselves on the field. The closest is going to be Kaita, uh, depending yeah. on what he does when he becomes available. Yeah. But again, it's it's for the system that's existing, and it's not really going to pull or bring too much additional uh, you know, changes as to how we approach the game. So again, there seems to be an inflexibility with Werner that uh, – I don't know if it's a lack of creativity. I don't know if it's just a, a sheer stubbornness and believing that this is the way that's going to do it. Um, but that is definitely been uh, definite. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? It's been established, well-established that he's not going to change makes him very predictable. I believe it makes us very vulnerable. Um, and yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure again, who's 
there, there's a, there's a number of fingers to point at right now. Um, but obviously Werner is going to be the easiest person to replace up front uh, oh, to, sure. to kind of, you know, move things along. And speaking of move things along, that's what that's we're right. going to do. Cause we are getting close to <laughs> running out of time. It's, al- it's always happens. This always happens when I come on the show. I'm two for both. I think <laughs> to something. Um, <laughs> we're gonna just again. So the Ole Werner sack race, send me DM on, on discard email, uh, not easy green 2017 at gmail.com, uh, or on Twitter X, whatever you can DM me there. Give me the match day that you believe the only, that Ole Werner is going to make it to and the day of the week that he gets sacked. So send that to me. You got one week to get it done. Uh, I want it done before the transfer window closes because if he doesn't get the players he wants, he may just, in fact, walk out on the team. He's, uh, he's like done he it before. He's, he's done, done it, it before. before. <laughs> <laughs> so a nice nice little uh, caveat there. So uh, something I did want to bring to you guys is we're trying to get more involved with understanding or just hearing from uh, the listeners to the show uh, or the people that are involved in Discord. Usually when somebody new comes on, one of the first things that happens is somebody's like, from and we hear about kind of where they're from and and it's it's just kind of it's neat it gets it helps us get to know everybody a little bit better because we didn't we don't we wouldn't do this without well maybe we would do this if you weren't here or just talk into the open air just to satiate our egos or something um but but honestly it, that's the best part of what we've done here over the last four or five years is that we've got a community that's being built and we're getting to to know who these people are and we want to hear your story uh, how you became a Verter supporter. Um, I don't necessarily want to hear all the nitty gritty details of, uh, you know, your past life and where you've been. I don't want to cry on the air, uh, but I want to hear about how you became a Verter fan. Everybody's story is a little bit unique. And I think a lot of us would enjoy hearing it. Um, and again, like I said, on discord and stuff, there's already some of those stories being, um, if you want to get your story out there, email me um, again, not easy green 2017 at gmail.com uh, email me dm me on twitter discord whatever tell me how you became a fan and every time i've get i get one of those we'll read it off uh on the air uh kind of one every show if we get them uh and just it'd be great to share your unique story of why you became a fan why you love this team uh and by all means exaggerate the the details um you know, if you, if you want to, I don't know if, if right. maybe it's like, yeah, one night I was partying uh, in Bremen because that's where the tour bus stopped when we were on our heavy metal, uh, our, our band tour. Cause we were opening for, you know, Ozzy Osbourne back in the eighties and right. You can uh, go for it. I'll, I'll read it, but, but definitely somewhere <laughs> in there. Tell me why you love this team. Tell me when you started uh, actually following them and getting involved. And with yeah. that, I don't know if everybody has heard uh sooner's conversion story, uh, but yeah, sooner, if you want to take, you know, five minutes and just kind of let everybody know, here's why you became a fan. What makes yeah. Burter just the greatest thing in your life right now or the, oh, yeah. the worst <laughs> greatest thing. In your <laughs> right. Life, right. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's starting to, it's starting to become like that, uh, that, that bad drug habit again, like it was, uh, my first uh, few seasons. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can talk about that real quick a little bit. I mean, so I, uh, I didn't grow up loving soccer. I didn't grow up playing soccer. Uh, it was not a, something I was into. Um, and then, um, when I was 30, about five years ago, I moved to Bremen for work, and um, I was started. You know, one of the things was, oh, I'm living in um, Germany now. You know, Europe they have soccer. Like, oh, Bremen's got a good team, and I would like follow. I mean, they, that was actually a really good year of my first year. They that was the year that they finished eighth in the table and like lost in the semifinals of the Pokal, and 
to Bayern. And I was, I was aware of what the team was doing, but I wasn't following them really. Um, but uh, then the pandemic happened. I came back to America um, for a couple months because my work was furloughed and I was spending time with my, with my uh, partner. And um, I woke up one morning. I, I was kind of feeling like, like, like homesick for Bremen because I had not been gone from Bremen for like you know, months on end for a while. And I woke up one morning, I looked on my uh, sports app and I saw that Verder was playing. This was after the, 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 the COVID restart happened for the Bundesliga back in like May of that year. And they were playing Wolfsburg. It was 0-0 halftime or something. So I said, oh, like, let's put that on. Maybe that'll help like my, my, my feelings of homesickness for Bremen. And uh, made a pot of coffee, watched the game. Um, it was a game uh, where it was 0-0. It was very exciting because I knew that they were not doing very well and they needed points. And uh, Valt Vighorst scored a goal in like the eighty somethingth minute. Like it was, uh, they lost one. Let a goal in late in the game. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. go. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh, times have changed, eh? <laughs> it's like it's, just, it's like that's like I don't know. It's like one of those things, like the 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 the, the Spider Man meme, like where everyone's just pointing at each other. Yeah. Like it's I'm you. looking for some nostalgia. I'd like to see Verder let in a goal after right, the eighty fifth yeah. minute. <laughs> I'd love to see Milos Milkovich, uh, uh misses assignment on. Uh, yeah, but. Um, so I was, but I was like, so the game was over uh, Saturday morning. And I was like, oh, it was fun. And I'm not doing anything. And so I just kind of was like researching the Bundesliga and, and, and stuff like that a bit more than I had. And I learned about things like the 50 plus one rule. And I just kind of got hooked. It happened very fast from there. I found this podcast called It's Not Easy Being Green, where this guy Ben was hopping on and talking. He was breaking down the, the, off. <laughs> the, the average uh, value of a player that, you know, Mainz and, and uh, Union Berlin had compared to Verder and why is Verder at the bottom of the table. And it just kind of all ballooned from there. And I just started following the, te- uh, the team and the league and just kind of... Uh, uh, Kept on going from there, and uh, yeah, so that's that, that's how I became a, a fan. Um, Into to of... the monster we have today, hey? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I, I have I have a little bit of time on my hands, and I, I enjoy you know if I'm passionate about something, I enjoy, I enjoy spending some time with it. So yeah, so that's why I mean, I was glad to to be able to maybe you know do some stuff here for the for the English speaking Verder community. I think it's a lot of fun. I think that a lot yeah. of people in Germany also think it's a lot of fun. I was you know doing stuff on Instagram for the channel over there even one time i i got someone came up to me and said hey i know you you are sooner Verda. you do the you do the instagram channels <laughs> and like people i think that especially bremen fans you know it, they're not a big city they're not like a huge club and I, I think that anytime that they find out that there are people who are americans or canadians or um you know from all now over you gotta the list world, all countries no i <laughs> no i'm sorry but um and I'm not sure about that, but uh, but I think that think that they find that really interesting, and I think they think think it's really cool. So I think I, I enjoy being a part of uh, this community, and uh, but yeah, that's how I became a fan. For sure. Well, there you go, folks. If you want your story shared, uh, send it to me. We will read it on air one a week uh, as we get them. But yeah, it's been great having Sooner along with us. It's been great watching him get infected with the bug, uh, and uh, and yeah, let us let us know uh, why you love this club. Let's uh, let's move on to some listener questions. Would you rather bet on it or against it? We got a couple to get through here, and not a lot of time. I was hoping to get through um, a very 
well, probably too long. I've been trying to understand, again, going back to that the imagery of the guy with the, the pictures on the wall, the string and the cigarette hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> I was, I've been trying to figure out why Bauman and Fritz are, are doing what they're doing and, and what they're trying to accomplish exactly. Um, and I'm not sure if I've got time to get through it today, and, uh, but I don't want to wait too long on it. So depending on what we have time for at the end of the show, uh, I might just rattle it off, uh, it. irrespective if we're over an hour or not. But let's get through the regular show stuff. I'll leave that for the end. Uh, and uh, and here we go. So the first question we have here is a historical question. Um, Bauman and Steiten were both on staff under Eichin, uh, correct? But Steiten was given more say and control with respect to scouting and recruiting, right? However, when Bauman took over, Steiten took over. Steiten got the Leverkusen job, and instead of hiring a qualified, uh, hiring a qualified uh, person, I guess Bauman just took over the job. Then when he got, then when it got too much, he hired Fritz just because question mark. So it's kind of just confirming some history. Yes, that is correct. Uh, both Bauman and Steiten operated under Eichin. Uh, Bauman was kind of brought in in this kind of nebulous, weird role. Nobody really knew what he was doing. He was kind of like a you know, mentorship in training sort of thing. You kind of knew he was waiting in the wings to be put somewhere. Uh, and then when Eichin uh, was fired because he wanted to extend script or he wanted to fire Skripnik and the club didn't like that, uh, then Bauman was kind of moved into Eichin's place immediately afterwards. So, so Bauman kind of floated around the club doing, again, the, the job of the role was kind of nebulous. He worked in the scouting team building area, but Steiten was kind of the head of that. Um, and then, yeah, when, when we got to 2019, again, the year prior or two, Fritz began the same sort of process, this nebulous kind of weird, like he was, uh, overseeing the players on loan. And then he was kind of working in scouting. And then he was kind of like, he, he just kind of had these, <laughs> these jobs, you know, just kind of keeping him around. And in 2019, Steiten parted ways with Bremen and, and he's absolutely correct. Yes. Bauman and Fritz, then instead of hiring somebody to replace Steiten, they collectively took over the role of building the squads. And so 2019 is a really good reference point uh, to try and understand the the trajectory or the the methodology with which Bauman and Fritz are applying their trade or their thoughts and ideas of how a squad should be built. Um, post uh, post 2019, they really have until just this last year, nobody has been hired to fulfill that role of squad building or team building. That's all been uh, Bauman and Fritz, which again, uh, lengthy things that I've gone through before about uh, domestic talent, not having much for, you know, input from international or, or leagues outside of the Bundesliga or the, 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 the second league. And it, it really does. It, it paints a very accurate picture post-2019 uh, what these two characters have been trying to do. Um, it also ironic that we also were relegated during that period of time. <laughs> and we have some of the some of the many, many questions that we have uh, today. But uh, I don't know if you want to comment on any of that history. That just kind of was an overview. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that's before my time, so I don't really feel like yeah. I, I, I have a whole lot to say about it. Um, I do think it'd be cool. I remember one time before, like, you know, the, the podcast kind of took on this format. You did kind of like a, a whole episode about Steiten and, like, why he left and, and things like that. And I'm not sure if there's any way to find that. I uh, got a lot of shit for that episode from people oh, in, really? in Raymond, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they felt that I made the, the relationship between Steiten and uh, Bauman too contentious. 
mm. and that uh, that they actually were very good friends. Um, and Steiten still lived, still lives, or has a home in Bremen. Uh, and so this was all evidence that things were going perfectly swimmingly, and Steiten just looking for greener pastures. I I don't know, uh, but it's really weird that you yeah. bring Fritz in, you let him hang around for a little while, and then a guy that's been doing the job for 10, 11 plus years, maybe he does see grass greener somewhere else. That's fine. I mean, I get that. Um, but this idea that all of a sudden he was just out, he was just gone, and there really wasn't a story or an understanding as to why it had happened, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense why it had happened, uh, because again, nobody... We, it's not like we were like, we had somebody in mind. We were going to try and go a different direction with this guy. No, Bauman and Fritz just took over. Exactly. And well, the other thing is like, like Bauman and Fritz did, or like Bauman didn't say, hey, we lost this guy that we like and he just found green no. pastures. We should try and replace him with someone who would be similar. Like there was no attempt at that point. You know, no, it was, it was it, kind of like, the... it, it reeks like they said, no, we can do this just fine without you. It was similar to the dismissal of Schaff, actually, which if you do read articles right. about that post script now, Oof. Schaff is saying that was a load of shit, the way that that went down. Um, and at the time, it was just really weird and really awkward. And there was multiple stories about why it had happened. And everybody was trying to pretend like everybody was best friends. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, like Schaff even said, he's like, I would have worked for free. Um, right. But and me, right? right. Like it, Again, there's there's just there's lots of that sort of stuff, and maybe sometime I'll get into this. Really believe the root cause of it all uh, is this nostalgia versus tradition. Um, there's the tradition of Verder, and then there's the nostalgia of Verder, and I get a feeling that we are trapped in nostalgia, and nostalgia is never going to bring us uh, where we want to go. The tradition of Verder, I think, will, but this idea of doing things uh, the way that we've been doing them because it's the way we do um, is. It's uh, it's self damning. Getting uh, high on our own supply. <laughs> so succinctly put. Thank you. Right. Uh, here's a first. Would you rather? Um, not Christian. You're sooner. Ooh. Would you rather sooner? The board fire Bauman and we stick with Werner for the season, or Bauman fires Werner and is responsible for hiring the successor. Uh, um, I think I'd probably rather. Honestly, I'd rather fire Werner because I think that right now he's the one who's immediately just, uh, I mean, like, like, like the a more root of the problem of what we're having right now because he's the one who's making the lineups. I mean, they, like, what you can look at it, Bauman essentially, I mean, and this is maybe oversimplification, but Bauman gave uh, Ole Werner Christian Gross and he gave him Ilya Gruyev. And, and like, it, it's a Werner's choice at that point who wants to play. So I would That's probably true. say can can Verner first. Okay. Uh, bet on it or against it. All three members of team leadership. So that would be uh, Ole Werner, Clemens Fritz, and Frank Bauman. So all three members are back for the start of next year. Bet on it or against it. Oh, that's a, that, I'm going to bet against that hard because I, I, I really I really think this is this is going to be like 1920, 2021 vibes. I think this is going to be a really rough season. And there's no way someone's head's not rolling. Well, Fritz and, and, and Bauman will be there next next year. Right. They will be. No yeah, doubt sure. about it. The, yeah. the question there is, will Ole Werner make it yeah. this season, I think. Yep. And I would, uh, I'd bet against it. I think, I think Ole is probably going to get the ax at some point in time because yeah. it's I, uh, bad, bad vibes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, bet on it or against it. And I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, if Jans has the full, has full control of the squad, uh, Buchanan would still be here and Dukes would not. So, <clears throat> 
Philip, the I'm... new squad planner, Jans, was fully in control of the squad. This is a weird bit on her against it because I feel like it's it's like a completely hypothetical. Like there's no way we'll ever know this. Um, if I had to guess, I'd probably say better. That's what it. makes it fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I'd probably say bet it against it because I think that like, yeah, they might both be gone or, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to, to, to see, I mean, we know so little about Jans right now, I think yeah. that to know how he felt about Lee Buchanan and how he really feels about Marvin Dukes. Um, I think it's, it's plausible certainly that it could happen, but I mean, I guess I'd bet again. I, I don't have enough evidence. So I'm going to bet against it. I would have to bet against it just because I'm not sure what he would do with Dukes. Um, right. I believe that Buchanan would still be here. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is, it uh, makes sense. Well, Jans has shown a great history uh, in um, developing and selling talent at excess amounts uh, than they're worth, right? right. He has a, a long history in uh, relationship development with young players. He, had, like, he has proven himself in these areas, and I've gone through articles for listeners before uh, as to what his credentials are. He has sold, I think, I can't remember now. I'm gonna over a hundred million dollars in, uh, in sales in the I think the ten or so years that he was uh, in Salzburg. And again, every article I talked about talked about his connection, his relationship building ability, and it's always with young players that they develop and then move on. So I would have, I would think, I'd bet on Buchanan still being around. I'm not sure what he would have done with Dukes. Yes, fair point. Uh, I think. Bet on it or against it. Bauman actively sought to keep Dukes here and not take the money. A recent <sighs> article had Dukes saying that he has no interest in going somewhere else. He wants to play for love. It's all about the love. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it, that was necessarily Bauman for sure wanting that. I um, I don't know. It's I, I, I find it really hard to try and predict like what he's thinking. But I think I think I probably would maybe tend sooner. This is supposed to be fun. I, I know, I know, I know. So I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna bet, I'm probably gonna bet uh, for it, bet on it, because I think that he's Bauman is the kind of guy who, you know, uh, it's it's like it's like this. Yeah, getting high in your own supply. He loves the smell of his own farts. He's like if a player wears a W on his chest and scores like eight or nine goals, he's like, hey, build this guy a statue. He's a I think. I think Bauman actively sought to keep Dukes here, and I believe that Werner actively sought to keep Dukes here because I believe they both felt that Dukes was the key to keeping Fulkrug here. That's true too, yeah. But again, that would, like that that to me is completely putting the cart before the horse because I don't think that we should necessarily be trying to keep Dukes here, although a lot of other people would disagree. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into the contest here. So sooner, I'll let you do that. I don't know. Yeah. If we, we're, we're over an hour here. You can quickly preview the game, I suppose. Um, do you have a lock yeah. on the week? There's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have a quick lock. It's a similar thing where it's like, I, I you better lock it up. You lock it up. Yeah. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Of the day. So, yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, it's, it's on, on Odd Sharks today, this morning. The, the over-under for goal scored in the Werder-Mainz game was three. Who in the world thinks there's going to be three goals? I think Mainz has scored two goals all season. We have not scored a single one. What in the world? Who thinks there's going to be three goals scored in that game? If you can find it at three, even if you can find it at two and a half. Game. Right, yeah, I guess so. If you can find it two. And also Mainz and Bremen, if you look at it, like over the last like four or five meetings, very low. I mean, besides the, the one that they just played, two to two, like it's it's two to nothing. It's one to nothing. It's one to one. Um um, so I would say, yeah, pound the under on that. 
Um, there's not a, yeah, not, not a whole lot to say about uh, Mainz. I mean, they, they, they're off to a pretty rough start this season, too. They lost 4-1 four, four to, to Union Berlin, and then they had kind of another heartbreaking kind of, I'm sorry, there's an, uh, apparently an emergency in Chicago near me. Um, emergency in Chicago, you're kidding me. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Not much I can do about that. Sorry, um, but they 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 had a, a victory uh, uh, snatched from them late against uh, Frankfurt today as well. So they're also going to be kind of coming up uh, into Bremen against the, uh, on the ropes. Um, and they do have look for um, Stach, I believe. I looked this up. He is a former youth player. He played like U seventeen for Werder. So definitely, if you can find some place that lets you bet on if he's going to score a goal or not, probably bet on that. That's what I would say too. That'll be the guy. Lock it up. Don't lock it up. <laughs> But I would maybe recommend it um, for the contest. Um, yeah, so we had a pretty active uh, a week. So here's the leaderboard. Um, uh, you, Ben, still are atop the league at uh, atop the table at six points, but you're joined by Paul slash PJ slash Cacophony forty two. Irrelevant um, <laughs> with six points as well. <laughs> then we've got uh, four people tied with five points: uh, Brian, Mark, Zach, or Spivey, and uh, Dirt thirteen. Uh, then Aaron, Ian, Dr. Tim, and Dustin, and Trent all have four points. Liam, and then Werder Wegner, or uh, Juan, myself, and Christian, and Gepi, and Werder VK all have two. And uh, Mohammed is still looking to get on the board, uh, sitting at the bottom of the table with zero points. But it's still very early. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to play the contest. Don't, don't get discouraged. Uh, you know, if you're sitting behind, keep on making the picks and then see where the uh, chips fall at the end of the season when we add in all the extra points. Um, keep making but, those picks because at the end yeah. of the season, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm going to win. I only accept the results if I win. I'm not sure. You, you didn't play my, my, my intro this show. <laughs> I'm going to save it for next show when you okay, come on good. at the end. <laughs> I found well, a whole bunch of rare footage of uh, Trump endorsing Sooner. So, right, it's incredible. My favorite endorsement. <laughs> All right, yeah. So get those uh, selections in uh, to Verter Picks, not Dicks, at Yahoo.com, <laughs> uh, or you can find him on X Twitter uh, at Verter Contest. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's how to do it. Make sure you get it in before kickoff, and you're good to go. <laughs> All righty. So yeah, we are over an hour here. So this is, we're going to put in a little bit of overtime. I do want to get through this because, well, it's probably, I guess for posterity's sake, or just so that I got it on record. <laughs> I, and again, going to that idea, I've been, I've been struggling. I've been really struggling and trying to understand what Bauman and Fritz have been up to for some time. Um, and, and it's because I been like I said before in other episodes, I, I believe that people do things for reasons. I may not agree with them. I may not think they're smart, but I, I try and figure out the reason. Um, so I went through, uh, on a previous episode, I went through the transfer business since 2019 and I made some correlations between that year and our current transfer window. Uh, when I was looking at that, I did notice, um, an interesting and uh, for my part, a disturbing trend that about a year ago, Bauman stopped sending our youth out on loan and then began to actively sell them. Uh, so this was a distinct change from something that uh, Werder has been doing for many seasons. Uh, and it made me kind of pause and wonder, well, why, why would they do something like that? And I've, again, I've always believed that people do things for reasons and, and rarely humans, I mean, unless you're, 
here's the caveat unless you're truly psychopathic right uh, rarely you know rarely is is do humans do random that well uh and i'm hoping to rule that out as an option at the moment uh <laughs> you know so even uh if i disagree with the the reason has to be one uh, there has to be some continuity and this is kind of what I found. So I, I decided to go back a couple of years and record all of the youth talent that was sold and what the value was uh, that they sold for, what the value was when they sold it, and then kind of mm. compare it against the mature talent that we sold and for what value. Um, and I felt to be fair, I actually had, and this makes it tough and makes the sample size kind of small. So it may be irrelevant. I'm, I'm stating that up front. I eliminated the summer window of 2021 because that was a fire sale because mm. uh, we got relegated. And I think it might kind of muddy the waters a little bit simply because we were selling whoever was going to buy at that point in time. Right. It would just be what the it funny was. thing is that if, if you're if, the funny thing is that if, if you're like taking out that window, you're, you're doing Bauman a disservice because that was maybe his best summer window ever. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it looks great on paper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, gutted, yeah. gutted the team and made a few million while doing it. Well done. Um, so in the first phase from 2016 to 2020, uh, before relegation, seven players uh, were uh, who were established talent, kind of. And I, I, I I'm going to use these words: established talent and younger players. Established talent. I kind of had to draw a line somewhere so that over the age of 25 and less likely to develop further. So between 2016 and 2020 uh before the relegation seven players were sold for a combined 38.6 million 13 younger players were sold for a combined 35.75 million hmm. so as far as sales go basically even uh but about double the youth players were sold compared to established players so that in and of itself already kind of bucks the idea that this is a new trend um but moving into the recent era where Verter have now been promoted, Verter have sold zero established talent players for zero millions and eight younger players for 9.7 million. So a couple of things uh, that we should note is, you know, why would a club make the change uh, from selling an even value amount of youth and established players to what we've seen in the last two years? Why would a team sell what could be their developing talent? Um, and it, it should be noted um, that during the second phase, so post-relegation, Werder's youth team also dropped from the already obscure Regional Liga down to the Bremer Liga, making the games that these teams play basically useless for developing talent. Um, so that should be noted as well. Is it even worthwhile holding talent and having them play in a local league where it's not even a competition? Um, now, as an aside... I guess it could be argued that Verder selling uh, their youth talent over the last three years kind of deprived the second team of the talent necessary to remain competitive in the regional Liga and had a kind of had a hand in damning them to the local Bremer League. Um, I think that would be a reasonable conclusion as well. If you got a team uh, by constantly loaning players out, they aren't developing in the regional league and then that team gets relegated. And now there's no point in developing youth because they're in the local, you know, Bremen league and, who wants to play there as a prospect, a, a U18 prospect. Um, so aside from not having decent competition in the second team to develop players, then why stop loaning them and rather choosing to sell them? That is something else. Um, the best explanation I have, and again, remember, guy cigarette, pictures, red string. That's Pepe me. Silva. The, the, 
<laughs> the best explanation I have is that Verter have decided on a course based on the following risk analysis. In the long run, they project more total points and value on the basis of established players made affordable to the club via long injury history than developing younger players. The risk analysis is simple. Youth players are going to make errors in their learning, and there's a good chance that they won't be Bundesliga caliber from the get-go. So the mistakes they make while developing and gaining market value is going to negatively impact the team in the long run because of the points needed to be collected to stay in the league. Whereas established players that again made affordable to the club via long injury history, they are betting that more points are going to be gained because of the experience and the bet is on them not missing too many games due to injury. So you see both calculate a risk factor and this is the one that Bauman and Fritz, I believe are most comfortable with. If you manage the load on fragile players, you can prolong their season, reap the benefits of talent and experience that they have while not paying a lot for the talent that you have. Um, so I, any thoughts on that sooner before I get in my next section here? <laughs> oh gosh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to-, to Cigarette, I mean, pictures, right. string. I mean, I mean, I think, I think, I think it makes, I mean, it makes some sense, but I think what doesn't make sense to me, and this is something we've talked about, you've talked about it in the summer. It's like, uh, and I guess, you know, in, if they're right, I mean, here's the thing. It's, 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 it's the same thing I say with Oliver. It's a results driven thing. If you're, if you end up being right, then like, great. There's no, there's not a whole lot of necessary reason to question you. But like the fact of the matter is you, 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 you fucked up in 2019, which sent us down the road where we are. And now like, it's almost like you went back to the blackjack table and you made the same play and the hand that I mean, like, we're not done with the hand yet, but it's not like, like it's not looking good. And, and why, why, why they would do that again after it bit them in the ass so hard three years ago is kind of beyond me. But I, mean, well, I they, guess that's all I would have to say. This is a, this is a step up from 2019. 2019. I mean, there, there are differences. There are differences. Well, no, tw 2019, this was the idea was to, to win with established players. Uh, that had injury history because they were affordable, but they were still loaning out their talent to develop somewhere else. This year, right. they're actively selling their, t their talent and still sticking with injury riddled uh, established right. players. The, good, and the, Dustin, the difference and, is, is that though, sorry, go ahead. Dustin, I think brought up a great point to be considered that we don't do a lot of rotating, like as far as load management goes. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's because, and it would be interesting, again, I'd have to go through and look at it, uh, for the games missed while injured, do we have enough injuries happening on a regular, on any given season that we're actually not able to rotate that we literally are putting the players on the field that are available. And it's not even a matter of, you know, but then it goes to, to Werner. Why is he not subbing guys in the 60th minute? Right. Why, you know, why is he not, why is he waiting until the 80th minute to, to sub somebody out Same if they're Colfield under load too. management? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Colfield did a similar thing. But I mean, the only point I would make is, is, is that in 20, I mean, like the, and this is maybe how they've, maybe this is how they, they, they viewed that it's a little bit different. Like you didn't buy Nabi Keita, you, 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 who's a free transfer. So, I mean, like, you know, the difference is now that maybe they're, they're bringing in some of these people who are the quit, the, the misfit toys or whatever, but they're getting them for a reduced price or they're, they're getting them for, for free instead of having to pay any, all they have to do is pay their salary, which, I mean, I guess that's another thing that makes it different, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I think that that's, it's, 
it's the same thing where it's like Ole Werner is a part of this problem. Yeah, I mean, like, why are we not like worrying about load? If but that's the, the plan, yeah, right. If that's the plan, I mean, the other thing is funny. It's like we're worried about Fulkrug's load management. What was it that he was training individually this week or whatever? It's like I think the only reason they're doing that is because he might be sold to Frankfurt. You know, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> just like the last eight games of the last right. season. Right. Right. Load management. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna kind of part two here. So I, I hope I've kind of established at least where I'm going with this. Yeah. Uh, so then I decided to grab a sample of young players that were sold in the last four years uh, and compare, and I grabbed all of them, uh, uh, not physically, metaphorically. <laughs> I would never touch somebody inappropriately. Um, I decided to... to, to no, to, less inappropriately than me. <laughs> I decided to take a sample of young players sold in the last four years and compare their current value against what we sold them for uh, to kind of help determine if the calculus pays off. So that is to say, if, um, you know, a great example is uh, Jan Nicholas Best. Yeah. You know, we we paid 250K. uh, We sold him for 950K and now he's worth 3 million. So that puts us at a negative 2 million uh, in, in total uh, market value, right? Um, so anyway, so some of the players, uh, just I like I said, I, I looked at them all, but just some of them, just for reference, uh, Bemo, Jojo, Nowaki, Nicholas Best, Schmidt, uh, Kiarodia, Buchanan, Engelhart, and Schoenfelder, uh, just kind of as examples. Um, so what we find if we go through the last four years, Werder sold these players for around 10.35 million. Okay, those same players' current market value is 17.1 million, a difference of around 7 million in value after a few years' time to develop. Right. So the question then I would have to pose to the listeners, to anybody else, um, is the current strategy founded on good ground? Is the 7 million in lost value over the last three years worth the developing mistakes we would have incurred versus the chance we take playing injury-prone uh, experienced players. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, it's, it's, know. it's only 7 million, right? Like yeah, I, but, I was but now it's only like, 7 million now. True. True. It, it's, but it is, it is only 7 million. This is just the numbers. Okay. Uh, and I'm just playing advocate here because I, I don't even believe the word string papers, cigarette. Um, right. I'm, I'm, I'm literally just trying to make sense of this. Okay. But is 7 million in total, uh, you know, lost revenue, worth it when we consider the amount of mistakes that would have been made by young players potentially right um it's hard to say i mean a a good example we're going to face heidenheim soon uh they have a oh what's his name now Uh, a player by the name of um, marnon bush bush uh he was with our youth team he was sold uh he's now worth i think just over a million 1.5 million um but the, the reality is he would have had to stick with Werder for like six years to gain that value. And he would have had to been playing actively. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, there, there's, there's some of that to be considered. Truly there is some of that to be considered, but that is, I believe the calculus that's being made right now uh, by the Verter front office. It's the only way I can make sense of this. Yeah. The only way. I mean, and I think maybe on some level that makes sense for some, but I mean, I, I think about, and this is a play we've talked about a lot at Kirodia, right? We're talking about like a guy who is already trained, I mean, I, I don't want to like, maybe maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but he's already trained with the Italian national team at the age of like, what, like seven? Yeah, the Chiarodia, I mean, that, th- this, so great, great point here, Sooner. The ones that we sold this year 
Let's come back to this conversation in three years. Let's right, see what exactly. Buchanan's worth in three more years. Let's see exactly. what, uh, yeah, let's see where Kirodia is in three more years. I mean, it's it's a little presumptuous of me to do this, right? Current market value. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the ones that we sold this, I think those two in specifically are going to bite us in the ass hard. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, to me, if, if, if I was a squad planner, and maybe, who knows, like maybe in, in, in practice, I would have gotten us relegated very, very fast. But to me, I would have sold Friedel. I would have brought in some sort of a journeyman, I guess maybe like a young type of like a, a left center back. And I would have looked at him and I would have looked at Kirodia. I would have said, it's open week. It's, it's open competition week to week. Who's going to play? You, I mean, like, and I would probably have given deference to Kirodia and say, like, you're going to play until, like, you don't look like you're playing very well. And then this other guy who is, like, a veteran who knows how to play. He's even keel. He's a substitute. He'll, he'll take the field until you're ready to come on the pitch again. That's what I would have done. I mean, like, that to me makes so much more sense than um, selling him and just continuing to give the reins to uh, a decent but also flawed player like Marco Friedel. Well, and Dustin says, give me Besta and Buchanan over Young. Uh, the, yeah. a, great, a great example here. Young is likely collecting the highest pay he ever has, given his years of experience, et cetera. And let's be quite honest, because they didn't bring competition or play Buchanan to the point where Buchanan was pushing uh, Young, quote unquote, um, Young could basically write his own check. They need yeah. him, right? Yeah. But you sell or get rid of Buchanan, uh, Young, Send him off. Like, what'll it take to get rid of this guy? And what would be the wages you'd pay Besta and Buchanan? Two young up-and-coming players, hungry for playing time. You put both of them at that left-back spot, and you say, week in and week out, the best player gets this spot. That's right. it. Yeah. Like, And just absolute uh, competition between two uh, young players that are going to want to prove themselves, as right. opposed to as opposed to somebody like Young. You'd save money on wage, I'm pretty sure, with two players to one. If not, you'd be breaking even, and you're developing market value. Exactly. And then, yeah, but and then, are, and then you sell them for like three times that much to like Frankfurt or to Gladbach or something. Sure. But the question again is the amount of mistakes that are going to get made between those two players. I mean, that Young's a bad example because the guy's, the guy's basically a floating meat bag out there <laughs> uh, and, and not helping. I mean, the reason that cross came in in the 95th Oof. minute is because Young couldn't be bothered to take two extra steps yeah. towards the guy making the cross. Yeah. We had two players on him, and neither one of them bothered to close him down. Uh, and that was Young's responsibility. And that happens more often than not on that yeah. wing. Um, but that, I believe, is a calculus being made. Whether or not it is good, I, I actually don't agree that it is good. But I, like you said, paper, pictures, cigarette, string, Crazy look. I mean, I'm, tr I'm trying to figure this out. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll never be someone who I think who says I think that that, that Bauman and Fritz are like, yeah, try. It's like you say, like they're 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 trying to 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 do the best job they can. I'm sure or what they think is a, a good move. And I, I mean, there is some. It, well, it's the, it's the to it's the toddler with that little cube that's got the little holes in it and the different shapes of wood that you're supposed <laughs> to put into the and he's got the square. Uh, block and it's the triangle hole and he's jamming. He is also doing everything he can to the best of his ability. <laughs> sure, exactly. Yeah, and I think that you've 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 done a very good. I mean, perhaps you've given them a bit too much credit, but I think that you've done a good job of trying to anticipate, like yeah, like essentially what what their what their thought process is. And uh, I mean, I would just say that you know, 
it's it, the way for I, I've always felt this e even going back to like the year where we were staring relegation dead in the face I was just like okay if we're going down to the second league it's time to unleash youth and just like let them grow and develop and or let, as let you would say release the kraken release the kraken yeah and uh let their uh let their market value start to to get better let them grow uh and uh, so i mean i just i i don't really buy this this um and this, this i mean it's funny everything kind of comes back in my mind to like ole a little bit i don't buy this this idea which seems to be not only taking place at the upper management level but also at the um the the trainer level the who's in the lineup and who plays how many minutes level of of let's let's back these um really at the at the um, um, basically throwing the youth out to the side and not giving them really any chance to breathe. Let's just, com let's just completely go for um, older, more experienced uh, players who, um, you know, well, we don't have any players on this team who don't really have any flaws, uh, you know, and, and let's just like really go for what we can afford. Right, exactly. Well, and um, I said this last week, I'll say it again. Show me the players that Ole Werner has developed. Show me the players that are better after the year, two and a half years that Ole Werner has been at the helm. Show me them. Or Here, yeah, he does any of them. I think I think at Kiel you could maybe you could ping up a couple. Q Hume Park, who plays for Mainz now, maybe is one that you. I, I I would need to do more like research on like exactly how Werner like helped him develop. That would maybe be one. But in in Bremen, like there's no one. Right. So he's been around for a couple of years. We aren't seeing the youth develop. He doesn't develop youth. So I think there's probably a good um, line to be drawn between him and the way that Bauman and Fritz are operating. Bauman and Fritz may have proposed to him. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to run the club. And Werner said, perfect. I like playing with, uh, with existing yeah. players or longstanding players anyway. I'm not really interested in developing talent. Great. You know, everybody, you know, shakes on it and they move forward. Um, the other thing that you alluded to, and I think Dustin and myself caught a lot of shit for it last, what would be two seasons ago now, we were actually saying that when we go down into the second league, because it was, it was, our fate was sealed, uh, we had said, abandon ship, play the youth. Yep. We may be in the second league for two to three years, um, but what we'll develop is going to be a sustainable team. Uh, we're going to have a club that's going to be probably debt-free because we'll have sold off a lot of our excess. We'll be playing a lot of uh, cheaper players. Uh, take the risk. Go that route. It's a longer build. It's a more sustainable build. Um, and I mean, you never know the road not taken, uh, but that was something that I was advocating for back then sure. rather than trying to just re-promote. That said, I mean, both both have their peril, right? Yeah. Because, uh, because, because it should also be said that what you're describing is kind of what we see from Hamburg right now, too. And it hasn't worked out for them. And, yeah, I mean, and, I, just, I mean, and this yeah. is coming from someone who also thinks that's not a bad idea, but that's just to say that's there true. is another side of the coin. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're watching what's happening even with Schalke and Hertha right now. Right. Um, it's not even a guarantee if you keep most of your team together that you're going to be able to promote. So anyway, that's, that's getting off into the weeds. I wanted to go through that. Uh, we're well over time now. We should probably end it here. Uh, but thanks so much, Sooner, for sticking on the line. And uh, thanks for everybody that uh, stuck around to hear uh, the extra nonsense that I just spouted. Could I really quickly really do, do, do just do one quick? There's a fun little, as, as I was doing the preview for the Mainz game, there's a fun little trivia thing that uh, from the recent past. I'm curious if anyone has it. The last time that Werder Bremen beat Mainz, um, we had a very, very last second goal, last minute goal made by a Bremen player. We won one to nothing. And I'm curious if anyone will know who that player was. 
Was it? That was like the what? 20, that was the year we got relegated. So it was the, the 2021 season. I don't know. So we hit it up in the Discord or whatever if, you, it, if you know you? what you're for. Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay. I didn't he's, even look it up. I was he trying su- to think he about sub- He subbed on and then first touch of the first game. touch. First touch of the game yeah. went in the back of the net. Ah, memories. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to call it a day. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in. Uh, appreciate it very, very much. We will talk with you again next week. Find us on Discord. Join the conversation. Thanks again, Sooner. Appreciate you jumping on. Had a lot of fun, as always. Thanks. Have a good weekend, guys. Line, praying that my car don't get declined. God damn, God damn.